Codependency can be a really disempowering feeling. And inside of that model, nobody is really empowered or free. But if you can work towards interdependency, then you're building a relationship that has a foundation that can continue to build on itself to bring more freedom, more sovereignty, more power on both sides, more mutuality, and a more honestly developed and evolved partnership. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. This is the Art of We podcast, episode number 69. Welcome back. Welcome back. Today, we're getting into a fun distinction between codependency on the one hand and interdependency on the other. Such a good topic. So I've been thinking about this topic for a long time because there was a time in my life where I was a very committed meditator. I was in a Buddhist community and the subculture in that community was a culture where my own emotional material is my responsibility and mine alone. And the concept of leaning on another person or honestly even discussing your emotional dysregulation with another person was sort of frowned upon as an expression of neurosis mm. or not being very developed as a person. Wow. So what we're here to talk about is what is the difference between codependency and interdependency? Codependency is a term that we might as well just say that the origin of that term comes out of the 12-step community. There were, I'm trying to remember her name. I wish I could pull that up off the top of my head. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes later. But there was a woman who wrote a book called Codependent No More, and it was aimed at the partners of people who are addicted to substances who tend to do things with good intention, but tend to enable and coddle and rescue. And her contribution, which is really beautiful, is to show that the person who's involved with that person addicted to substances is also addicted to something. They're addicted to, so they're codependent. Mm -hmm. They're codependent on each other. Right. Are you saying that one person could be codependent and the other person couldn't be? No. The two people are codependent on each other. So the classic stereotype is the, let's just say, male who's an alcoholic who is too drunk to get up in the morning and go to work, and the partner figures out some way to cover. They make up an excuse like, oh, he's sick. And there's this kind of stuckness that they're both in around the person's addiction. When I first learned about the term codependency, I was, I think it was like my second year of undergraduate, and I had been dating this really amazing fraternity guy. Right. <laughs> he was my first, 
he was, he's actually a really, really awesome person, a great partner. However, when I was on break, like it was summer break, I was really looking at myself and trying to figure out why I was having such, I wouldn't have used this term back then, but dysregulation when I didn't know if we were okay or like I wanted a lot of contact from him and I couldn't really figure out why I was so anxious about all of it. And I found a book about codependency. I don't remember the name of the book. I just remember like being like, oh my gosh, I think I'm exhibiting codependent behaviors, which at the time I was like, that is not okay with me. I'm not doing this. I got to get out of this relationship. So all of a sudden I really changed my tune about how I was being in a relationship. And I would say that I have had codependent tendencies. So am I hearing you say that there's always some sort of interwoven codependency that happens. Like, are you saying that this guy that was a fraternity member would have had some sort of participation inside of my codependency? Or is it more related to substance use and addiction? Well, I'm just saying that the term originated in this book. It appeared for the first time, which was a book about how she overcame and integrated a style of relating that she came to understand that she was as dependent as her partner got it who was dependent on the substance okay great but a better way to talk about it in more general terms outside of the 12 step or substance dependency conversation is and I'm going to give Bruce Tift some credit here from all the work that I did with him personally and as a couple in a previous relationship and his great book already free highly recommended Bruce talks about distorted masculine energy and distorted feminine energy. And these are not to be confused with men and women. Not confused with gender. Not confused with gender. Right. Thank you. And Bruce would say that, I hope I'm quoting him accurately here, but he would say that it's distorted feminine energy is an energy of clinging and anxiety about not getting enough contact, wondering and worrying about the partner when they're not there having a lot of challenge with being alone with yourself. And then he would say on the masculine distortion energy, it's an energy of not sharing enough, not being contactful enough, not being considerate of the other person's experience. So being much more in a silo or in a in your own world kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. More of a nice space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the codependency happens when the two people are dancing in that way unconsciously. Yeah, I would definitely say that this guy that I was dating was more in an eye space. Like he wasn't as concerned about me. He wasn't the one reaching for contact. And when I started to become more into my undistorted feminine energy is when, you know, he actually started doing some of those things. He came more towards me. He was more concerned about making sure we were okay. Mm-hmm. So I can see how we were dancing together based on what you're, mm-hmm. what you're bringing here. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe a shorthand is the distorted masculine is I'm only responsible for my own experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm never responsible for your experience. And a distorted feminine perspective is I'm responsible for your experience, but... I'm actually not responsible for my own experience. Okay. Very good distinction. Let's talk about our own tendencies here. You talked about your experience of being in this Buddhist community where it was basically like 
don't even really share your processes, your internal processes with people, because that's not enlightened or some sort of (laughs) messaging like that. Anything else you want to share about your journey around this distorted masculinity or even distorted femininity in your own system in different relationships? Well, it's interesting to notice, I wonder if the audience can relate to this, that I had an experience in a previous relationship where I was not getting the kind of contact that I wanted from my partner who was more in this distorted masculine point of view. And it was just very shocking when I saw myself becoming more on the masculine side of this dimension that we're exploring today when you and I got together because you're so contactful in our partnership. And so I think it's fascinating that humans can flip in their style and these distortions kind of correspond to the island in the wave of Stan Tacken or... Attachment styles. Yeah. Avoidant and ambivalent attachment mm-hmm. styles. So it's interesting that the context matters so much and what way that your partner is with you can really influence the way you are with them. But now that we're both enlightened and fully secure, we're an interdependent. <laughs> yeah, we're fully... We're fully there. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just uh, thinking, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself, like, where do I still get hooked inside of the distorted feminine or masculine energy? And it's a really interesting exploration. I, I feel like there's a part of me, and we've talked a little bit about it more recently, you and me, well, we have, we haven't talked about it on the podcast, but looking back on my history, I can see that there is a way that I have been reliant on my primary partner, whether that was like a relationship at the time or somebody I worked for, whatever the primary partnership was in my life, to have a certain level of approval for what I am doing or what I stand for or how I'm communicating, how I'm being in the world. And for whatever reason, I I have this aspect to me that's needed that. It's just needed like this extra validation. And I'm curious if that would go, in your perspective, under the codependency, or if that's just like a normal need for being validated in the world. That's a great question. I think maybe the best answer for people listening is, what happens when you are really craving that external validation, but it's not available? Mm -hmm. In that moment, how do you relate to that? And if you're able to see that as an opportunity to step in and give yourself that mm-hmm. when it's not available and you're able to shift gears in a fluid way where it's a preference and it's not like a demand on the world that you live in. That's one way to tell if you're in codependency or you're able to kind of fluidly shift between wanting external validation or giving it to yourself. Right. Like I'm choosing to do this. I'm choosing to give it to myself versus in our case, like you're my primary partner, obviously calling you five times in a row to be like, oh my gosh, I'm demanding that you give me some validation right now, (laughs) which by the way, I have not done and I don't do. So that's good news. But I, I feel like there's probably ways that I could, in the moments of feeling like I need validation, there's a choice point that I'm not always conscious of, of being like, oh, here's the moment where I can actually do something different. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't happen, and I just get distracted and do something else, so I avoid the discomfort of feeling like I need validation about something. I imagine that everyone listening can relate to this dynamic inside of ourselves. I I absolutely 
miss those opportunities myself too, mm-hmm. you know, where something happened and I really need contact or support or I want to complain about something that happened that was hard or whatever. And it's not instinctive for me to pause, breathe, consider, okay, here's a moment for me to make contact with myself. Right. And it's so powerful and so helpful to develop that muscle. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm inspired. I don't experience you as being excessively dependent on validation at all. Mm. If anything, I I think you could lean in more and, you know, be more revealed in your need for that. Mm. That's good feedback. Thank you. Okay. Why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, we'll get into the nuanced differences between, well, nuanced and not so nuanced differences between codependency and interdependency. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance, and now back to the episode. Welcome back. Before we talk about interdependency and the benefits of that and the nuances, we want to make a humble request, dear listener, to please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. It is incredibly helpful for the algorithms to boost our visibility to other people who might be searching for this kind of podcast show. And we want to thank people who have already done that. We're so grateful. Yes, thank you. And feel free to leave us a comment and make suggestions. Critical feedback is welcome and so on. Thank you. Thank you. So there's one more thing I wanted to say about codependency, which is that in the distorted masculine, the main fear is a fear of being engulfed. So it's a fear of invasion. It's a fear of the contact from the other person is going to dysregulate me. Mm. I'm already happy as a clam in my little world, and I don't want to be disturbed. So the assumption is that the contact is going to be dysregulating. Right. I've heard you say that to me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like you've said, For sure. you've said, I, looking back, I realized I actually didn't want contact because I felt like it wouldn't have been helpful. Well, maybe that's different though, because that could be true too, that my contact wouldn't be helpful. No, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Is, the baseline assumption that contact is going to be worse than being alone. Right. Distorted masculine. So that's a good clue. Yeah. How, how would you suggest if, let's say, let's say this fits with the gender. So for example, if you and I are in a relationship, which we are, but if we were encountering, if I, the female or any partner, it doesn't matter. If any partner is imagining that their other partner is in this distorted masculine, do you have any suggestions on how one should approach their partner around helping them see possibility there. 
Like when those moments when you're like thinking that contact's not going to be helpful, what would be helpful for me to say to you? Stan Tackin, again, has a wonderful recommendation here, which is the catch and release policy. If there's anybody who is a fisherman listening, they know what catch and release means with fish. You catch a fish and you put it back in the water. So the partner who anticipates that contact is going to be uncomfortable or difficult, it's often more successful to go make contact with that person briefly and then let them have some space mm-hmm. as opposed to, oh, uh, Will just walked in the door and I have a whole day of things that I want to share with him that have happened and not being conscious about this pattern, there might be a tendency to over capture that person, which is what their mm-hmm. biggest concern is. Right. And so obviously this can get very nuanced to explore these ways of being successful in our partnerships. It could also be just a quick, hi, honey, I'm so happy you're home. Would a little space be helpful right now before we connect? Right. If there's a tendency to have that distorted masculine view, you know, immediately Mm -hmm. off the bat, coming home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The chief concern in the distorted feminine side of it is a concern about abandonment. So the drive for maybe you were talking about in college with your boyfriend, like the excessive Mm -hmm. contact or the, you know, crazy texting because I haven't gotten anything back from this person. The fear of being left behind or abandoned is usually part of that equation. Mm -hmm. So what we're looking for is just raising awareness about these natural human tendencies that we all have. Right. To a greater or lesser measure, And a lot of it is driven by what we experienced in childhood and how we were programmed to what we were rewarded for. Right. Yeah. And often, and not always, but often people who are being raised and enculturated as a female, whether you have female genetics or or not, but if you're being raised as a female in this culture, you're usually being rewarded for not being assertive and not being independent and not doing things that are associated more in our culture with a male gender role right? and vice versa. Thank you so much for giving us those clues and the headlines of the stories that they're in. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about interdependency. Can you give us a definition of that? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm uh, the professor today. Are you, I feel um, like you are too. <laughs> interdependence is one way to define it is I'm as responsible for my own experience as I am for yours. Mm -hmm. And obviously that doesn't work well if the partner's not willing to dance with you in the same agreement. Right. So this is a combination of what we could call masculine and feminine energy that we were talking about before. Like I'm responsible for giving you the contact that you need to feel safe and secure and fulfilled in our partnership, but I'm also responsible for my own experience. And the partner's responsible for their own. So it's everybody's responsible for their own and responsible for the we's. Exactly. Which I love because we have a lot of our, the orientation of our relationship really started out that way. And I think probably was born because neither of us had that kind of orientation specifically or explicitly in our previous relationships. And we have some vows written to really practice that, practice that mutuality inside of our relationship. 
yeah, mutuality is a great way to to frame it. It's like a integrated collaborative approach that has the net results be much greater from doing it in this mutual way than if we were to do it independently. The we can do more than I can terminology that we like to use. Exactly. So let's explore how this might be relevant to our listeners' partnership that they are in. You might be hearing themes that are familiar in what we're talking about and as they apply to your partnership, like, oh, it it seems like my partner and I are are trapped in a little bit of a dynamic here where one of us is more in the distorted feminine energy, one of us is more in the distorted masculine. These tend to be polarizations that happen in partnerships, no matter what gender the people are. You just have to say that again. Yeah. So how do we start to talk about it with our partner at home? Right. And especially if they're not as inside of the relationship learning curve as as, as you might be, the, l- the listener. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people who are in relationships where one person is tending to stand for the health and wellness of the relationship than the other person, primarily because of values. Like one person might be definitely more interested in the kind of impact that they're having out in the world, and another might be more interested in the wellness of the relationship, for example. Not everybody. For sure. So then it's like, how does the one person start to approach this conversation inside of their relationship? Exactly. And Krista just mentioned values. So if you haven't heard us talk about that before, it's probably worth going and listening to, you know, one of our episodes on that. We just did one on values versus agreements. That was episode number 67. But we do have other episodes that we'll put in the show notes. Yeah. So a great way to avoid the argument of who's going to submit to whose values in your partnership, which is a common argument, mm-hmm. right, is to support one another inside of your own personal priorities. Like if my value is more on going out in the world and having an impact in the world and your value is more on geeking out about partnership and connection inside of the relationship we have, mm. doesn't it make more sense to try to support each other to fulfill each of us inside of our own values that are already there versus you trying to make me be more interested in geeking out about interpersonal relationship. Mm-hmm. But the question is, how generous can we be in the way that we want our partner to be fulfilled in their values? Right. And how can we see that their fulfillment in their values supports us to be fulfilled in our values? Right. And one one way to enter that conversation, if it were you and me, well, be like, hey, you know, I'm really interested in learning something about the way we do a particular aspect of our relationship. And I had some insight. And I think if we changed it up a little bit, we might actually have some better results between us. And it's really important to me. Would you be willing to have that conversation? So I'm not trying to make it important to you, but I am sharing that it's really important to me. And can there be some generosity in supporting what's important to me? Is that, that's, I think, what you're pointing towards. Absolutely. And it's equally important over here on my side of the weed in this metaphor we're working in right now is for me to see how you being fulfilled through my support of you being fulfilled helps me fulfill my own personal values and feel great in the partnership with you. How would you supporting me in my value of relationships help you have more impact in the world? I can think of 
many ways off the top of my head right off the bat. I mean, the first one is that if our home is a place where we get to be really excited about what our individual values are and that and knowing that we're helping each other fulfill those, then we're not in conflict and we're not in silos and we're not feeling a lot of tension at home. Yeah. And that goes to clarifying that with each other. Like, what are we up to together? And that could be one big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I can't really fulfill the possibility of my impact out in the world if my home world is a disaster. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to me from that perspective. I think a lot of people don't understand what's possible there. I'll just have to say that. Like, we know a lot of people who are very, very successful, but in their work world, and they kind of don't really take a microscope back into their relational world that's not going as well. And even having the possibility that their work life could go so much more if they attended to the fractures inside of their relationship, so to speak. Absolutely. You know, most of us didn't grow up in environments where our parents knew how to navigate those fractures and we didn't witness and get to practice how to do that ourselves. So we have to learn. The good news is we can learn. Mm -hmm. And you and I have picked up the slack and things that we needed that we didn't get, not through any malice from our parents, but just from, you know, you can't teach what you haven't received yourself. Right. So I agree with you. I think there's a huge missed opportunity in partnership that people really don't see the possibilities. Right. So I think for the listener, what I would invite for you to do is to really take a look to see from the lens of codependency and interdependency, where do those show up or don't show up inside of your relationship currently? And then if you could really take a look at that and find where you're wanting and willing to work on that you can see the benefits of, then it's really just sitting down or even having your partner listen to this episode if they would be willing to understand more of your framework from where you're coming from. I think codependency can be a really disempowering feeling. And inside of that model, nobody is really empowered or free. But if you can work towards interdependency, then you're building a relationship that has a foundation that can continue to build on itself to bring more freedom, more sovereignty, more power on both sides, more mutuality, and a more honestly developed and evolved partnership, which I think we're all working towards that in some level, like maybe not all of us, but (laughs) (laughs) I like to think a lot of us are care about that kind of partnership. Yeah. I mean, the every man for himself sort of approach is pretty limited in what we can accomplish. Exactly. Yeah. So I just want to make one more point about interdependency that You could think about this as a dynamic flow of energy where sometimes maybe you're feeling a little bit more on the feminine side of the energy of like, oh, I wonder what my partner's doing today or I wonder what challenges they're having at work or whatever. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you might be on the more hyper-independent, distorted masculine side of the thing of not thinking about your partner or not being considerate of them in some choice that you made or some plan that you made on the weekend, if you have an agreement that you talk about it first before you make concrete plans. So 
it's sort of like riding a bike. You're you're going down the road, but you're always falling to one side or the other. And so what we're talking about is kind of just a more heightened awareness of all of it mm. and a willingness to examine these automatic patterns that we have that are just in our nervous system from the past. Right. I love that fluid perspective. Like we can lean into one side and lean into another side and it doesn't have to be then labeled as codependent, but there's a fluidness and in the interdependency and in what that looks like in a given moment and coming back to balance is kind of where, what we're aiming for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of get this image of a figure eight between two people of being connected in that way and the kind of mutuality that can arrive there when we're taking a co-responsibility for the success of our partnership. Yeah. And, you know, having the commitment of being for each other's success, for example, is also so helpful here where if you can trust that your partner's feedback is coming from that place and you have that agreement together, then you can go even further, even faster because I can come to you, for example, and say, I think it might be really good for you to spend some time connecting with yourself before we start this podcast recording or something like that. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I can take that feedback. Be like, Oh yeah, true. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. I think that you speak about it with a lot of history. You know, you've, you've worked in the, these realms and with patients that you've seen in the past for many, 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 many hours on end. <laughs> so I appreciate you diving in and leading us in this charge and Thank you all for listening and joining us. We hope that it was enlightening in some form and that you can take some of it back into your own partnership and may it serve your partnership in some way. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow this show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If this show has sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at art of we podcast and we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together like butter and toast on the art of we